Hi, I am Brandy Leary, and this is Walk Left, the podcast. And I'm Marty Chidori. Thanks for joining us. So, Brandy. Hi. I'm not even going to try because you, you just corrected me on it. How do you pronounce the name of your company? It's pronounced Anandam Dance Theater. And what does that word mean? Anandam is actually the derivative of a Sanskrit word because a lot of my background uh, in my early 20s was dancing in India, studying traditional dance and martial arts in India. And the word Anand or Anandam refers to, it's like that thing where it's hard to translate things, but it's, <laughs> it talks like, it sort of talks about this sort of place of like, transcendent joy or or bliss or sort of like a, a kind of liminal joy and it was something that one of my teachers said to me when we were talking about what needs to happen when you're performing where that's what you're creating in the space between what you're doing and what the audience is is receiving and that space in between needs to be charged like that. Like not that it always has to be sunshine and lollipops, but it should always be transformative. So I thought that was a pretty good thing to walk around with remembering. Cool. And and so, yeah, so you branded, branded your, your company with that. Yeah. So before we get into your upcoming presentation, your company's been around for a while and doing a lot of interesting things and pushing some limits. Tell tell me about the, the history of the company. We have been we have been around, I guess, for a couple of years, and we're a bit of a hard fit in anyone's bill because we do a lot of different things. It's focused around ideas that look at different approaches or different entry points into contemporary performance. I work from dance. Some people may disagree, <laughs> and that's okay. But uh, so it's always physical entry points, and I'm really interested in work that's polycultural because I spent a lot of my years studying traditional art forms in India. And though the contemporary work isn't reminiscent of that as a sort of replicate of cultural forms, I was just interested in forms that had different ideas about how audiences and dancers relate, about how you can have porous spaces between like ritual and pedestrian. And so those kind of things pop up in the work in like really contemporary interests that lately have been around ideas of site-specificness and really, really coming back to ideas around how do you keep shifting the relationship between the audience and the dancer? Now, I'm, I, I can't let you get away with that little throwaway you said there where people might disagree. Uh, what, tell me tell me about this, this, this disagreement. Well, I mean, it's not that we bump into a, a whole bunch of, like, it's Toronto. Everyone's very polite. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, I mean... It's not so much a disagreement. I remember one really awesome, awesome, awesome presenter saying to me once, I just don't see any Indian dance in your work. And that it just kind of threw me, not because the work is positioned in any way like that, but that it made me really think about like, oh, then what do you think is Indian dance? Like if I'm using a form, I'm using things that are underneath it. You know, is Indian dance something about the type of person dancing on stage or the type of costume or a type of music or is it about the ideas around the form? And then what we do is I also work with aerial work and I was trained in theater is that I just approach everything like as just democratically equal languages for creating. So it's not about making a company that only makes aerial work or only does Indian dance or 
just really like a painter never sort of has to justify using more than one color. Right. So sometimes we're a bit of a hard fit. And I think they're trying to make meaning out of it. Like I think it's also, there's also ideas around how we talk about multiculturalism in the arts, which has really sort of been like, sort of like, okay, we have this section that's Indian dance or this section that's ballet or this section that's Afro-Caribbean dance. And I think I just got really lucky in the age group that I am in Canada that I grew up with multiculturalism as a reality, but what it produced for me as an artist is something more akin to polyculturalism or like even the structures around like how hip hop synthesizes different influences and is not super obsessed with necessarily defining all those strands. They're much more interested in what you say out of those. So I always sort of put my definition of the work we do as polycultural, which I think is a really cool Canadian thing that we're doing. <laughs> Was there something in particular in the forms in Indian dance and martial arts that, that drew you in? Mm -hmm. I had to, like, I actually went to theater school. I took directing at York, and I was so, even before going to school, York had made you choose between dance and theater, and I had done both equally, and it was, I was studying, like, a sort of ground-based syllabus. Wasn't totally convinced that's what I wanted to spend four years doing. Like, I just, I'm like, I don't know if this is exactly how my body wants to talk about the world. And I made a, in retrospect, a really intelligent decision to spend four years learning how people had made art, sort of like the history and the discourse around performance from old to new-ish, right, in a theater program. And also the value of really understanding that what's going to serve me, because I knew I wanted to create work, was um, tools for working with artists. That's what I was interested in. And then... Probably like a lot of theater people or anyone who goes into a, a program, you might hate it. <laughs> like I was just like, oh my goodness, my program is white and Western and colonial and maybe patriarchal because I didn't even read a lot of plays by women. Um, and I don't even know if that's necessarily the reality, but that's sort of what I was. And it was based in realism, right? right. And, and when you're 20, you want to like whatever, radical things. And so I would always want to drop out every year. And I remember I had this great professor, and he taught this course, which, in, again, in retrospect, I can't believe it was named this. It was called Non-European Theater. Like, it wasn't called Asian Theater. It was called Non-European Theater. Right. Because you can fit all of that into totally. one course. Totally. <laughs> and he thought it was a ridiculous name for the course. His name was Anatole Schlosser. And he was fabulous. And it was the first time I encountered forms that didn't make these really stringent divisions between, like, actors or dancers or singers that dipped their toes in ritual and still sort of had like a footing in the pedestrian worlds that used like mask and color and story and physical, like telling stories physically. So I was like, I need to know more about that. And rearranged my program, did a lot of study there. I volunteered to do a thesis. You don't have to do a thesis. It's a real go-getter. <laughs> and um, in my final year, I did all my work on Indian aesthetics and the Indian approach to art creation, particularly performing arts. And then I graduated and um, thought, oh, I guess I better go there. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> so I ended up in Delhi. And then from Delhi, I ended up, um, I ended up being very poor at the dance form I was going to study, which was called Kathak. I was a terrible Kathak dancer. And there was a woman there who said, I think I know something that might be up your alley. And it was this dance form called Chow or Chow, 
if you're actually saying it properly, um, which uh, wasn't really based in the facial codification or the hand codification. It was some of it used mast. It was based in martial art and it was based on an aesthetic called Angi Gabinaya, which just meant uh, using the whole body to express a story. So I like packed up and moved to a small tribal village in the middle of nowhere with no water, no electricity for the first little while um, and started studying with uh, the last pre-independent teacher of the dance form and the last living member of the royal troop. And I lived in this little village and studied this dance form and it was just had this real uh, beautiful relationship in the body to um, this really poetic synthesis of nature and um, abstraction and I think it like it requires a lot of strength and concentration so instead of bar exercises like you would do in a dance class it's all based on martial arts and you do your essentially your bar exercises with the sword and the shield every morning out in the field and so it was just this kind of eye-opening in, in how you can it was a body language I was interested in because it had lots of space to felt like it could be really malleable and it was really fun. Tell me a bit about, I guess, just the, I mean, the fact that you would have somebody being like, mm, you, I don't think this dance style is for you. You should try this and it be a martial arts style. See, the thing, I guess, eventually, if you're lucky, someone points you in the right direction. And I mean, I've been pointed in the right direction very harshly too, right? <laughs> which really hurts <laughs> when you hear it and then 10 years later you're like oh yeah that would not have been a good choice or a good life had I followed that path so yeah so that was just a bit of luck and fate yeah good mentors I've had a really good life of having excellent teachers really excellent teachers so tell me about the upcoming production mm. What's going on? Anandam is part of a larger collective of very dance artists and I, they're actually really interesting. They're like burlesque artists and aerial artists and there's a medical doctor who has a movement practice and we sort of all combined our resources to address this problem we were having of, of like affordable rehearsal space that we could do aerial, we could do dance in and we've been sharing space for about two years and we just moved into like a huge, huge, most gorgeous venue. It's like a 2,000 square foot warehouse that used to be a photographer's studio. So the corner is like a hard projection wall that's all curved and white and painted in. And we put our dance floor in. And so suddenly our home, where we used to rehearse at, has performance potential. So I thought that it would be really exciting to just animate the space, keep the company activity really consistent. I know uh, like out of practice, it's just like the more you sort of have deadlines around having to create and perform, the more stringent you are about getting to class <laughs> or like making your practice happen. And then I also really believe because the model of how I work in making contemporary work is I give a lot of autonomy to my collaborators. I don't work in that sort of like choreographer has a vision dancers are only responsible for manifesting that the work's a little bit more democratic so a value for me is that everyone I work with is also a, a choreographer or a creator and so I thought part of investing in the artists I work with is also to like give them a platform to present their own work so we have a series we're starting a series called dance party because 
everyone loves a dance party, even if you're sitting down. <laughs> and it's an evening, just happens for one night. It'll happen three times a year. And it's a shared program of works. This time it has Lucy Rupert, who, and they're, they're all involved in the company somehow, are collaborators. So Lucy Rupert is presenting a piece that's been choreographed by Nova Bhattacharya, which is a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful piece called Allah. It's the first time Nova uh, has choreographed on a contemporary dancer, and it's this um, sort of gorgeous, oh, it's not even a synthesis, it's this own shimmering thing, but it's Nova's got a Bartlettian background. Then there's a piece happening by Marie-France Forcier, who's Forcier's stage works. She's doing a new piece uh, based on The Tempest, actually. <laughs> it's called, I think it's called Portraiture Wreckage, because she was sort of talking about when she started working with it, she was trying not to approach it like, I'm going to do The Tempest. What are the themes of The Tempest? So she just was started working, and she's like, oh, okay, it's about families, and it's about shipwrecks, and those can sometimes be related. <laughs> so she's on the program. Another one of our company members, Kiri, I always get stressed when I say her name, Figueredo, Figueredo, Kiri, I'm trying. Um, who's a really, really lovely young choreographer who's making a new work called Nocturnal, Duetto Nocturnal. So it's about the night, she's still, it's a new work. And then we are doing the final piece of the evening called um, Divested Negotiation, which is a remount of a piece that we actually create with an audience, kind of like a human cat's cradle, because I'm really interested in shared responsibility for the performance event. And we often use with aerial ropes in our work. So we have like 15 of these long 30-foot aerial ropes that the audience basically makes like a human sculpture out of it that is based on, they create this web with their bodies and the rope and everyone leans out and then the dancers use that as an apparatus to dance on. Sounds very cool. It's super <laughs> cool. It's super cool. And that'll be performed by Michael Caldwell, Louis Labergecote, Marie-France Fossier, and Kiri will also. It's like, hey, ladies, since you're here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then it's like super chill. We're not doing, that's why this is such a great opportunity to talk about it, because we're not doing press releases. We're not obsessing about getting presenters out. We're like, one night, pay cash at the door, cash bar. We're not doing huge talkbacks. Hang out, have a drink. Easy, chill, dance party. <laughs> and, 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 and warming up this. Yeah, totally, totally. You've, you've just encapsulated everything so nicely. I'm kind of like, how do I, how do I stretch this <laughs> out? So, how do I pull it what, out? What, um, do you, or do you feel comfortable talking about what's next after Dance yeah, Party? Yeah, totally. We're working on a, a long arc for a new piece called Glaciology, which we did a sort of small research section at Rhubarb where we made a human glacier of eight dancers that rolled down Young Street. <laughs> It was awesome. In February, like I have the bravest, bravest dancers. The artists I work with are so amazing. I'm like, we're going to hang off a building 40 feet above the street. We're going to roll down the street in February, be in a glacier for an hour. And they're like, yeah, awesome. Awesome. Okay. And they're just so there. So this next project we're looking, it's a long timeline for 2014. And we're looking at um, sort of using the movement of glaciers across landscapes as an entry point to look at these parallel issues of um, 
the impact of humanity both on the environment and on each other. So we're looking at like density and overpopulation and like shearing and collapsing and mass graves and yeah, it's a big one and it's intense. Uh, we're looking to do it at the end wave and we want to clear all the seats out and fill it with dirt. Uh, so to enter the piece that you get a hazmat suit as an audience member and you wander around. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And if, you know, if you can't facilitate going through the, the dirt environment, uh, there's the mezzanine there and we'll be hanging off the ceiling and rolling around the dirt. And... So we're working towards that. That sounds awesome. It's, <laughs> it's really... kind of like, I'm going to book my interview now <laughs> for 2014. It's, <laughs> Get the I'm so out. excited about it. I'm so excited about it. Oh, and also for our dance party, yeah. we're, we're trying to like do our first experiment with live streaming. Like cool. that idea of like how to expand, extend the performing space in a live way. Like we don't, we're not going to leave the stream up. We're just going to be like, if you can't make it and it's eight o'clock, log in, log in and see what you want. So, so we're going to see. I don't know. We'll see how that goes. Wow. Okay. Well, I, I, I feel like we're at a high point. I don't know. I don't know what else to, <laughs> what else to bring out, but, um, May 25th, May 25th, eight o'clock. 221 Sterling Road, Studio 5. You can find it on our website. We'll have all the details yeah. up. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you have an upcoming Toronto based performing arts project or production, I want to talk to you about it. Visit walkleft.ca.